Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and now on YouTube. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk on YouTube. It's been a long time coming. Just over a year ago, I made a proposal to myself that I wanted to follow through on, get more social content out, not just Twitter, but hit on the Instagram, get that video content so we can share this little face-to-face and continue the engagement that I strive for with this podcast that I love so much. The YouTube page was always an idea that I wanted to hit and run. Things happen, take some time, but better late than never, because now is as good a time as any to share our content on YouTube. And that's what we're doing here today. We're welcoming us welcoming us in just like that. We're here, baby. YouTube, welcome you're listening on your podcast app go to youtube subway sports talk subscribe i don't think you could rate and review on there it doesn't matter just subscribe say what's up in the comments you know what to do so shout out to you guys man because listen it's tough making this content i know i'm not complaining right i love doing this stuff i'm going to keep doing it for as long as i can keep trying to get better keep trying to grow this thing making video content could be tough right but it's a perfect time to start because anytime is a perfect time to start, and that's the day. Today, January 25th, we're on YouTube. We're live, baby, Subway Sports Talk. So come hang out with your boy on SST, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and now on YouTube for some short content, for some long content, hopefully for all sorts of different type of stuff that we're going to try to get into. So again, thank you, and tell your friends, right? If you like this show, if you've been enjoying it, don't be afraid. Join the squad, SST. We're a family. Tell your friends and enjoy on YouTube as well. Today we have a lot to talk about. We have to talk about the wild, not wild card weekend, but divisional round that we just witnessed. Four games that came down to the wire. Three games on game-winning field goals. And then the fourth game trumps all of them with an epic quarterback showdown between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen into overtime. And that's what we're going to talk about, too, because that overtime thing is driving a lot of people crazy. And all you people acting crazy got me feeling a little bit crazy. So we got to talk about the rules of overtime and what may need to change and how you, yeah, you, I'm calling you out right here, right now, how you might have to change yourself and how you're thinking about what went down on Sunday evening. I don't want to spoil it because we're going to get to it in a minute. We're also going to talk about an unprecedented run by a young quarterback, not named Josh Allen, not named Patrick Mahomes, because those two guys are still young, right? But they're a little more proven. Joe Burrow is in an AFC championship game in year two, and he is reaching unprecedented waters, accomplishing something that so few before him have accomplished. And I bet many after him will struggle very hard to accomplish as well. But first, we have some words from our friends from DraftKings. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left 
for you to bet on on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Again, I am not good at math, but 56 to 1 odds I know is spectacular, and hopefully you do too. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. 5 bucks for 280 Oh yeah, sign me up. And if you're not a new customer, you can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable source for your betting. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Here we go. DraftKings was popping off for all of us this past weekend, right? I know for me, I started on Saturday thinking I was slick. I was like, all right, let's go with the one seeds, home field advantage. We're not going to go crazy and try to bet this spread because I'm expecting some tight games. So let's go Titans money line and Packers money line. Parlay that. You get some plus 115 odds. Love to hear it, right? Didn't love the outcome so much. Did not love the outcome so much. 0 for 2 on Saturday. However, we turned it around on Sunday with the Rams and the over teaser. Rams plus 9, over 42. And that one hit thanks to the late push from the Buccaneers, right? Because for a minute there, I was like, damn, I really went Rams plus 9. Didn't need to do that. Could have just taken them plus 3. And now the over might not hit. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Bucks go crazy. They put the points on the board. Rams still end up winning in a very, very close game that, who wanted to win that at different points, right? The Rams look great early. Bucks look terrible. Bucks come storming back. Rams are blowing it. Rams do hold on. Matt Stafford gets his second playoff win. He's in an NFC championship game. And I got the win with the Rams plus nine and the over teaser there. And last but not least, I was a lucky Chiefs better minus one and a half. I don't want to say lucky because I don't feel like the Chiefs were lucky. And that's going to segue us into my next point here. Because a lot of the narrative about this Bills-Chiefs game is obviously about Josh Allen, Gabriel Davis, what the Bills did, and the overtime rules. And I think the narrative that's been missing the most from this is that the Chiefs also played freaking fantastically. They won that game. And you can talk to me about all these sorts of things about the Bills deserve the second chance. The overtime rules are dumb. Let's not do that. And forget that the Chiefs also pulled off spectacular play after spectacular play. Patrick Mahomes was spectacular. Travis Kelsey was great. Tyreek Hill was great. I don't think you can say either defense was great. But defenses made their share of plays when they needed to, if you will. Definitely not in the final couple minutes and uh, not in overtime for the Bills. But the one part of it that really bothered me is like that the the Bills didn't even lose and the Chiefs didn't even win and it's not fair and the rules are dumb and overtime is stupid and nobody was aware of this before. That's what's bothered me most about this whole thing. People are acting like the coin toss hasn't been the biggest deal 
in an NFL overtime for the past ever, right? And now remember, the NFL updated overtime rules not too long ago. It used to be not just a touchdown and the game is over, just points and the game was over. So when the NFL upgraded to saying, all right, if you just score three on the first drive, the other team gets a chance to come back. That makes sense to everybody, right? We're moving in the right direction. I think we could all agree on that. And now, after the Chiefs lost in a similar fashion a handful of years back to the New England Patriots, they come out on top of this one. And they come out with the coin toss win and the first drive touchdown, game's over. People were acting shocked. People are acting outraged. And there's two different sides to this because I don't want you to get twisted with what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the rule's perfect. I'm not saying that the rule doesn't need to be updated. I think it might. I think it does have to be updated. But to act like the Chiefs didn't earn something or to act all mad because the outcome didn't end how you wanted it to is wrong to me. And it's not fair to the team that came out on top that grinded and put on an offensive show of their own. The coin toss has meant everything in overtime forever. And I want to ask you, if the Bills do get a second chance, say the Chiefs only kick a field goal and the Bills come down and they get it, they don't get it, who knows, right? Are we having the same conversation? Is it the rules' fault that the Bills' defense was Swiss cheese in overtime? Is it the rules' fault that the Chiefs won a, co- a coin toss and then dominated for a possession and won the game. It's not the rules' fault. There's a point in time where you can't blame rules. You can't blame overtime. Game shouldn't have went to overtime, if you ask a real Bills watcher there. Right? They should have won that game in regulation 13 seconds. 13 seconds on the clock, drive the whole field down. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, squibbed it. Coulda, shoulda, woulda not guarded the sideline because the Chiefs had timeouts to burn anyway. So the Chiefs don't get credit for this one? It's just Josh Allen who is the the sore loser here. Not that he's being a sore loser, but he's the one who's on the wrong end of the stick. That doesn't sound fair to me. Not giving proper due to the Chiefs and what they accomplished. And it's acting like rules existed out of nowhere in, at a thin air on Sunday night that nobody was aware of? I saw two different tweets from two different NFL players that I found very interesting. One was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen said, coin toss didn't affect anything. The coin toss didn't win the game. The defense wins championships, and that defense didn't get the job done. On the flip side of the coin, Saquon Barkley comes out and says something about how a coin toss won the game. And he didn't think that a coin toss should win a game. Did a coin toss move down the field with ease? Did a coin toss hit Travis Kelsey over the top in the corner of the end zone to win the game? No. Let's not be silly here. And again, am I saying that the rule's right? No, I don't think it should be right. I think in the playoffs, they should just play a quarter, right? You get five, eight minutes on the clock, whatever whatever it may be. Eight minutes probably sounds about right. And you play the quarter out. Chiefs go and score a touchdown. Great. Now, Bills, come on. What do you got? You score a touchdown too? Chiefs might have some time on the clock. Coin toss still matters because you might have an extra possession. But let's play out that whole quarter. Let's play out in the playoffs specifically. I don't really care about the regular season as much. We're trying to cut out game time. They play enough games now with the extra week. In the playoffs, let's let them play a whole whole quarter here. Let's see what happens with a little back and forth. 
Let's not make a sudden death moment in a playoff game in one of the best games that we've had in recent history, in hist- just in history, right? So uh, don't get me twisted. I'm not saying the rule's proper. I'm not saying the rule doesn't need changing. I'm just saying that it's ridiculous to come out here and all of a sudden be uproarious about a rule that has existed for a handful of years that was upgraded a handful of years ago. The rule was terrible when a field goal just won it, walk off sudden death style. That's terrible. Nobody wants that. The touchdown thing made it more interesting, more fair. And if you really got some truth serum into the Buffalo Bills players, they would say, man, we got to stop them. Rules are the rules. We knew the rules. We, we, we knew the rules when we got into overtime that if they scored a touchdown, the game was over, right? That's what they would say if you had some truth serum on them. What they might say now, being all salty and being all petty, is, oh, it's not fair. Josh Allen put on an epic performance. He didn't even get to touch the ball. Did Josh Allen not know that he might not touch the ball? I think he did. You saw his demeanor on the sideline as the Chiefs marched down the field with ease. He didn't look too happy. He knew his season might be over and he might not have a chance. That was the rule, man. Everybody knew. Everybody knows. And if you can't play with the rules that exist, whose fault is that? Don't blame the rules on something that you could control. Right now, you can't control the rules. So you best go play your best and you better take care of your own business. And then, hey, let's try to figure out a better way to play overtime when it comes to the NFL playoffs. I'm for that 100%. But I really felt that it was ridiculous how many people were online instantly. Oh, these rules are garbage. Let's change them. This is BS. Josh Allen deserved another chance. The rules are the rules, brother. Ain't had no chance because his defense gave it up. His defense stripped away a chance at an epic win for Josh Allen, but also very importantly, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs, they won that game. And I'm not hearing the credit that they deserve because for every point that Josh Allen put up so spectacularly, the Chiefs matched when the backs were against the wall. And then some. So there's my take on NFL overtime, man. I'm for an upgraded rule. 100%. They should upgrade it. But guess what? When the rules are what the rules are, you got to play by them. And if you don't get a chance, you can't be sad about it. You can't say, damn, I really wish Josh Allen had one more chance. That would have been so fun. Yeah, it would have been. Guess what? Not how it works. Not how it works. So in the future, if that happens to change, which I think it might, maybe there's some pressure on the NFL. They're not really ones to move by uh, pressure like that, especially in an instant, you know? But then there's the chance of karma, right? Next time the Chiefs and Bills take a, take over a NFL playoff weekend, go to overtime, maybe the Bills win the toss. And they score a touchdown. And now there's new rules. What are you going to say then? You say, oh, it's not fair. Patrick Mahomes didn't have to get, give the other quarterback a chance three years ago. Why does he have to do it now? Because that's the rules, man. That's the rules. <laughs> so, uh, listen. You know what I'm saying at this point. Don't hate the players. Hate the game. 
hate, hate yourself because you lost the bet. I don't know why you were so mad. You knew the rules beforehand. Don't be complaining so much. People love to complain. It's ridiculous. I'll tell you what. And, I, and you know, I like to complain too. I'm complaining right now about your complaining. That's half the battle of the sports radio, sports podcasting game. You're going to complain about everything. You're going to complain about this. I'm going to complain about you. Because you're ridiculous sometimes. And you know who I'm talking to. Right? Like you were rooting for the Bills. You wanted the Bills to come back. You like Josh Allen. You're tired of seeing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Guess what? The Chiefs are still awesome. Guess what? The Chiefs might still be in the Super Bowl. You wanted the Bills to win. So now you push the narrative that works for you. That's not fair. That's not rational. That's bogus. Change the rules. Sure. Shouldn't have anything to do with what we just saw on Sunday. And it should never take away what the Kansas City Chiefs accomplished against that team in Buffalo or in Kansas City against Buffalo. But on to another AFC quarterback situation. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy. Thank you guys for listening. This is a short one, solo pod. I didn't say that beforehand, but you figured it out by now. There ain't nobody else here, just me and you listening. Thank you so much. Another AFC quarterback to talk about, and that's Joe Burrow. Now I know he didn't play spectacular football against the Titans, and uh, his counterpart in Ryan Tannehill definitely did not play spectacular football either. There were blunders. That uh, Cincinnati offensive line was getting beat up. Nine sacks in the game. Joe Burrow, with all that pressure, with all those hits, with all that, man, was he calm, cool, collected. Joey Burrow is getting some nicknames in year two of his career. Joe Shiesty, Joe Cool, Joey Covers, Joey B. This guy's great. And I'll tell you what, he is marking unprecedented waters right now. Because I've gone through all the way back to 1983. To 1983, when John Elway was picked number one overall as a quarterback. And the reason I went to 1983 is because if you go before that, it's all the way back to 1975, Steve Vartowski, then 71-70 with Jim Plunkett and Te- uh, Terry Bradshaw. And then before that, I mean, the quarterback was just completely, completely different. I mean, it was different in the 70s and 80s, but it was oof, in the 60s and 50s. We ain't going to go back that far. So we're going to start at 1983 when the game advanced a decent bit. Obviously not what it was in the 2000s and the, and the teens and what it is today. In fact, the rate in which number one overall picks are used on quarterbacks completely, completely increased once we hit 1998 and Peyton Manning was selected. After that selection, Peyton Manning, 98, we had a quarterback in 99, 01, 2, 3, 4, 5, 07, 09, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, 21, and we likely won't have one in 22, though you never know, right? So before 98, there was a handful of years between a bunch of quarterbacks, right? Four years between Bledsoe and Peyton, two years before the one before Bledsoe. You had a little cluster then with uh, Jeff George, Troy Aikman, Venning Testaverde, and John Elway in 1983. So let's go through this, right? Because we all talk about this quarterback, and we all talk about these teams who sometimes tank, sometimes position themselves specifically to get that, quote, generational talent. 
to get that number one pick, to get that quarterback who's going to change your franchise forever. And it works out sometimes. Decent amount of times it doesn't work out so good. We'll go through some of them as well. But something that's almost true entirely across the board is that true playoff success does not happen this quickly. And Joe Burrow is changing this, the script, changing the narrative on that possibility. One of the more successful guys in this case, starting with John L.A. in 1983, is himself. Full starter in year two, makes a playoffs, makes a Super Bowl run in year three. That's spectacular. Didn't have a uh, playoff win, however, until year three. Troy Aikman was a playoff starter in uh, second year. And then in year four, he got his first two playoff wins. That was 1989. Jeff George, zero, no playoff wins. Drew Bledsoe makes the playoffs in year two. Doesn't win a playoff game until year four where he got two. Peyton Manning, he made the playoffs in year two. Year three. Year five. And didn't have a playoff victory until year six. Michael Vick in 2001. One of the more successful quarterbacks off the jump. Year one wasn't really a starter, right? So now year two is his first year as a starter. He actually won a game in the playoffs. Year three, he missed with injury. So year four, he's back in his second true year as a starter. Wins a playoff game. It's damn successful. Now we know what happened with Michael Vick off the field and what derailed him and he got back in Philly. But Michael Vick deserves some props, man. Changed the franchise. And if there was no off the field issues, would have changed the franchise even more so moving forward. Win in year two, win in year four, his first two real years as a starting quarterback, that's damn impressive. He won one game each. Carlson Palmer, he made the playoffs in year two. Didn't win a playoff game until his 12th season. He was the number one overall pick, and that was a different franchise. Eli Manning in 2004. Very unique, very unique case of Eli Manning making the playoffs in year two and year three. And then in year four, my guy wins a Super Bowl. But year two, no wins. Year three, no wins. Year four, four, unprecedented Super Bowl run. Then you skip a couple. You know, you get get a Jamarcus Russell mixed in there. We don't really got to go down that rabbit hole with his lack of success in the NFL. So you skip from, uh, you know, Alex Smith as well. No real playoff success for a while in his career. Uh, then you get down to 2009, and you get Matt Stafford, who spectacularly made a playoff in, in year three. And we know the story. Only made the playoffs twice in Detroit. Didn't have a playoff win until this season. That's a 2009 number one overall pick who was supposed to change a franchise. And boy, he did everything he possibly could for a long time. And they still had some bad seasons. Playoffs in year three. No wins until he's with a new franchise. 13 years later, Sam Bradford in 2010, no playoffs. Cam Newton, nice little show for him. Year three, he makes the playoffs, no wins. Year six, he's back and makes a Super Bowl run. Pretty good. Changed the franchise for a good chunk of time. Successful number one pick. Now, the other guy who's in this category with Joe Burrow, and this is why to this day, This man stands above the rest as one of those all-time prospects, and that's Andrew Luck in 2012. He makes the playoffs in year one. 
taking over an abysmal team in Indianapolis who couldn't win a game with a backup quarterback the year before. Makes the playoff in year one. AFC title run in year two. And that's what our boy Joey Burrow is doing right now. Jared Goff, a little bit of a unique situation. Pretty terrible year one. Makes the playoffs in year two. Super Bowl run in year three, but I know there's a lot of arguments about oh, how much of that was Jared Goff. How much of that was actually him being that franchise guy, right? So that's an argument. Baker Mayfield, 2018. No playoffs until year three. Got a win. Not bad, Baker. Let's see if he can get a second contract now. 2019, Kyler Murray makes his first playoffs in year three. Still no wins. And that leads us to Joe Burrow, who had a rookie year unlike any of these quarterbacks who we heard from, more or less, where he started off with a terrible team, He's getting beat up. He's getting destroyed. Still putting up numbers. Still moving the ball. Still throwing touchdowns. Getting hit left and right. Not really winning many games because the team is bad. That team was real bad. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals. But I say Cleveland Browns. Now we're here in year two. And this entire franchise has flipped the script. This entire franchise has rallied around a guy who may not have the best arm in the league may not have the best athleticism, the best size. He's kind of decent in all of it, right? Pretty good arm. Pretty good athlete. Pretty good size. Not that fast. Not slow. But this guy's got something. Joe Burrow's got juice. Joe Burrow's got confidence that is contagious around the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's obvious when watching them. When watching him get sacked nine times and get up and keep pushing forward and keep allowing his teammates to play with extraordinary confidence. Guys like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and I've made this argument before. Do wide receivers really impact winning like that? Right? Do wide receivers really make that much of a difference when it comes to just winning games? And I think in today's day and age of football, with the rules changing in the way they are and the defenses being not as comfortable coming across the middle and laying the wood on a receiver because they're going to get penalized. Maybe those receivers are starting to make the impacts. Saw it with Arizona. Without DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray ain't the same. That offense ain't the same. You're seeing it in L.A. with the Rams. Cooper Cup was an MVP candidate, is an MVP candidate. Odell Beckham and his health, he's been a game changer for them. You know, when Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey couldn't get going, the Chiefs weren't looking right. So maybe these receivers, with the rules the way they currently are, back to the rules, being the rules, make a difference. But none of that stuff happens without a guy like Joe Burrow pushing this team forward, picking this team up from the dirt, literally picking himself up out of the dirt, getting sacked over and over and over again. And now he just beat. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs recently, where the Chiefs had a big lead in the second half, 17 points at one point, and he fought back. He put up numbers. He made plays. He threw touchdowns. And again, he didn't have the best game against Tennessee. He didn't show out himself from a numbers standpoint, but he showed out in many other ways. And it's not to say that first-year, second-year quarterbacks have never had success, all right? We all know about Dan Marino making the Super Bowl in year one. He was the 27th pick. 27th pick in his draft. There were two Hall of Fame quarterbacks selected before him. John Elway, Jim Kelly. 
So this is unprecedented. Typically, overall, quarterbacks don't have this type of success in year one, year two. But for number one picks, I went through all of them from 1983 to current day. If Joe Burrow, he already made the AFC title game. If Joe Burrow makes it to a Super Bowl, happens to mess around and win said Super Bowl, that is a number one pick like no other. No other number one pick in the history from 1983 all the way to present day has done what Joe Burrow has the chance to do. Now, is he a favorite to do so? Absolutely not. He's not favored against the Chiefs. The Bengals are the fourth favorite out of four to win the Super Bowl. But we all know how this can go, right? Like It was unprecedented for Eli Manning to win in year four. Pretty unprecedented for John Elway to make a Super Bowl run in year three. Unprecedented for Andrew Luck to make an AFC title run in year two. Joe Burrow's right there, man. And he might be ahead of schedule. And we may look back and say, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those guys are special. We're going to have to start throwing Joe Burrow's name into the conversation if he keeps bringing this Bengals team to the promised land. Way ahead of schedule in year two with a chance to break the history books. Andrew Luck was that dude. And this week, Joe Burrow has a chance to be the new dude to be the new gold standard, to be the new number one pick that everyone strives for and most people miss on. Because realistically, man, a lot of these quarterbacks, year three is the year. Year four to six is the year where you take over, you become the guy. Mahomes, not a first overall pick, but he obviously did it very quickly with a year on the bench. And he's showing how tough it is. Josh Allen took three years to really take off. Joe Burrow has a chance to take off in year two after missing nearly half of his rookie year with a brutal leg injury. Now he faces off against Pat, the guy we all deem the most talented quarterback ever, some people say. One of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, some people say. Not the most awarded yet. Not the most accomplished yet. We all know that belongs to TB, Tom Brady. Joe Burrow, man, he's on his way. And Cincinnati has never been a franchise to put confidence in their fans, into media members, and into uh, sports gamblers. And everybody who watches this sport that we love so much, the Bengals have never been that team. But Joe Burrow's that dude. And he might make the Bengals that team in year two of his career. That's all we got, man. Subway sports talk. You know what it is. I, I, I'm just sitting here. I was thinking about it. I was driving home today. and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Cause I got to do the research. I got to look at every single quarterback before I come on this podcast and just say, Oh, Joe Burrow's gonna do something that's never been done. Cause I did the research, man. And, and the numbers don't lie. Some of these quarterbacks, maybe, Get a win. Maybe get a win in year two. Maybe make the playoffs in year two. Maybe make a playoff in year three, four, five. Maybe make a Super Bowl run in year four, six. That's the gold standard, right? Like what Eli Manning accomplished is obviously controversial in some ways because of what he did in some of the in-between years or what he didn't do for that matter. But for him to make playoffs, 
two times prior to a fourth-year Super Bowl run is spectacular. And I know Giants fans would sign up for it a million times over despite some of the shortcomings of Eli Manning. That's, that's special. That's gold standard. If Joe Burrow makes a Super Bowl in year two and continues to be a playoff winner into year three, four, five, it's not the gold standard. That's premium. That's platinum standard. That's spectacular. And every team after them, the Jaguars being number one, and now uh, who has number one here? The Texans, are the, the Texans, right? The Texans being number two this year, they're not going to pick a quarterback probably because who knows what the hell's going on with them. But you get the point. Every team after them is going to say, Joe Burrow, he did that. The Bengals were nothing. He made them everything. And that's exactly what's at stake for the legacy of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm excited. I'm kind of rooting for the Chiefs, but I'll tell you what. I was kind of rooting for the Chiefs, and I didn't mind seeing the Bills go crazy either. Because all we want more so than winning our bets, obviously we want that, right? More so than uh, the team or guy you might like for, you might root for the most. You want to see good football. You want to see history. You want to see spectacular performances as frequently as possible. Joe Burrow could be that guy. And I'll tell you, I'm going to probably bet the Chiefs in some capacity, whether it be a money line in a parlay or a teaser, whatever it may be. Just because I do think they're going to win. I do like them. I've been on them all year if you've been listening to this podcast. If Joe Burrow comes out and lights up the Chiefs, which seems possible, and he throws for 300, and Jamar Chase goes bonkers, or T. Higgins gets a couple, and this guy goes to the Super Bowl with a chance to win, chance to beat Stafford, a chance to beat Jimmy G or Shanahan and whatever. Whew. Bro. That ain't the gold standard. That's premium. That's platinum standard. And that's spectacular. Again, Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, thank you for listening. We do. Uh, I have one more thing to say about the New York Knicks, man. Golly. Can we get a good shot when it matters most? Don't think we can. I don't think we can. I don't know if you watched this game uh, on Monday night against the Cavs. What a beautiful comeback. R.J. Barrett comes in with the second unit and starts taking over, getting to the rack, finishing impressive layups, hitting a couple jumpers. You know, Randall played okay. You know, not not great, but better than he has been. Uh, Grimes hit a couple big shots. They're grinding. They're getting back into it. All of a sudden, they're within one. They're within two or three in the final minutes of this game. And this thing happened last year a decent bit, and it's happening again this year, I'm seeing. This team is not equipped yet. R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle are not equipped at this point in time to be that dude who goes in at the end of a game and gets a good shot. And I'm not saying make every shot, but get to a good shot. What happened in the final possessions of the Knicks game was a bomb three that was unnecessary from Manuel quickly because he was trying to play a little hero ball with that jumper. No good. Julius Randle, tough shot, putting his guy in a bad position. And then a final possession where the out-of-timeout play got nothing going, and Julius Randle throws a contested, deep, no-chance-in-France type three-pointer up. And it's tough to watch. It's frustrating. Because the Knicks want to be a real contender. They want to be a team that's going to be in the top six of the Eastern Conference. That's tough to do right now. The East is no joke, right? And you look up and down the Eastern Conference, starting with 
Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets having Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Those guys can get good shots. And it's not even just, like I said, it's not about making every shot in the end of a game. You're going to miss a fair share of them. But can you get a good shot for you or somebody else? Nets can do it. The Bulls have two guys who can do it in DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine when he comes back. The Bucks have a Giannis, if you ever heard of him. Chris Middleton can get a good shot. Again, if he makes it, it's a different story. But getting the good shot is what matters. That's what basketball is all about. It's about getting good shots. High percentage looks. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a team that's been very strong this year. And no, Mobley can't do it. No, Kevin Love can't do it. Jared Allen's not that guy. He's a center. Darius Garland can get a good shot for him or someone else. He can do it. He can break down somebody and get a shot for himself, and it's going to be something that you're confident in. Jimmy Butler on the Heat, he can do it. The Boston Celtics, who are in that same exact range of the New York Knicks, have two guys who can get a good shot. You can get a shot that you feel good about. Trey Young and the Hawks, he can do it. You look at this Knicks team and you say, Randall, does he have to be that guy? Because those shots don't feel very good when they go up. R.J. Barrett, he has flashes of possibilities, but is he that guy? Can he get a good shot consistently? I don't think so. Not yet. And if they truly want to be a top six team in the Eastern Conference this year, the way this Eastern Conference is playing, they need to win some close games. And that's really hard to do when you can't find good shots, when the defense is tight and the clock is ticking. That's it. Subway Sports Talk. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. I mean, seriously, for real. Anybody who listens to this, it means the world to me. You click on this, you, you spend 20 minutes with it, you spend 50 minutes with it, you spend an hour and 30 minutes with it when me and Patty Boyle go off for, uh, <laughs> for an extended episode like we tend to do. It's awesome. You like our Instagram posts, you like our Twitter, you are subscribed to our YouTube page, right? Thank you. It's freaking awesome. I hope you guys understand what it means to me and how it feels to see this, right? Like if I'm posting something on Instagram and I look up and you know, 20 something people shared an Instagram post of mine, I'm like, wow, that's, that's really cool. I don't know who you guys are because that's not how stats work on these social media sites all the time, right? But it's really awesome and it means a lot to me. And I'm going to keep going with this thing. I'm going to keep posting episode after episode after episode. I'm going to post more and more videos and more content hopefully you guys enjoy hopefully you share tell your friends interact with me you know and and I get it because I'm not the type of guy who frequents you know retweeting somebody and saying oh you're the best I'm not that guy either I don't not super comfortable doing it all the time some people I like I I can do it every once in a while because I try to put that energy out there with people who I really appreciate people who I really like so I get it but if you're not that type of dude who's going to repost and do all this stuff, but you listen, just know, shout out you. I appreciate that a ton. And don't be afraid to hit me up in the DM. You don't have to tell me I'm, that you think I'm good or bad or whatever. You could just be like, yo, what's going on, man? Chiefs Chiefs minus six today or what? We like the Knicks. What do you think of the same game parlay? Talk to me. I'm with the, all that. I'm all about the chat, getting that talk going. So don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to subscribe. YouTube, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate, review. It really means a lot, and it helps us a lot. You know, we got this thing going with the Hoops Pod Network, the Basketball Podcast Network. 
uh, and the DraftKings sponsorship. Like we're we're trying to go in that right direction. We're trying to give you guys content that you enjoy, and it's, it means nothing if you guys don't click on it, if you guys don't listen to it, if you guys don't like it and share it and whatever. So again, just just throwing it out there. I like to say it every once in a while, and there's never really a bad time to say thanks and to say I'm gonna keep going. I hope you guys keep coming with me. So Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Cheers.